Ali. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 199. Oh my God, we're close. Yes, we're so close, Ol. I can barely believe it. I am tensed with excitement. Look. Oh God. Welcome to Sustainable. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, all about people and the planet and trying to be green when it's harder than you might think. Ain't we all? We are. And what are we going to be trying to be greening about this week? Well, everything, frankly. Look, this is a thing which lots of people who listen to the podcast ask us about, and frankly, we don't know the answer. It is, how am I supposed to be green? What am I supposed to do about it? Like, what about all these tricky decisions about vegan leather or real leather or, like, I don't know, whether to eat lunch or not? And the point is, we don't know the answer to that. We sometimes try, but we never really succeed. Luckily, however, somebody's written a book about it. They've actually written a full-on book about it, and there's nuance in there as well. So, nuance is a new thing for us, and we thought mm, we want to know like more. It. What We've is this nuance? <laughs> what is this nuance of which you speak? So, we decided to get in touch with the fantastic Georgina Wilson Powell, who has written this book called Is It Really Green? Everyday Eco Dilemmas Answered. Um, and it is just out more, very, very excitingly. It came out in the shops a few days ago. So, we decided to talk to Georgina and ask her, well, is it really green or what? Georgina is also the boss of a thing called Pebble Magazine. What is an online magazine where you can talk about all this sort of stuff to your heart's content. So that's at Pebble Magazine, and we recommend it very, very much. Just the usual disclaimer, a couple of disclaimers, actually. First disclaimer, we do work for environmental charities, do we not all? We do. But these are very much our own views and Georgina's own views. So if anything that you hear makes you green with anger, take oh, it up with me or all, nice. but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Correct. And the second disclaimer is this interview was recorded ooh, a week before Christmas, middle of December sort of time. So you're hearing it, you know, a few weeks late. It is probable all sorts of stuff has gone wrong between now and then. All sorts of stuff may be out of date. <laughs> all sorts of stuff might have gone right, but I doubt it. Anyway, so bear that in mind, we recorded this in the past. It'd be fascinating to find out whether I managed to get anybody a Christmas present on time, because as of recording, not a single Christmas good. present has been bought. No, no. Georgina's book wasn't even out, so you couldn't even get that. Tell you what I won't be buying is a hardback copy of Georgina's book, because she hasn't brought it out in hardback. And Dave Amazing. knew that. And Dave decided to ask that as the first question because Dave knows that, well, me and Georgina have got a difference of opinion about this naughty, naughty day. So the most exciting thing about your book, Georgina, apart from the fact that it's fab, that's exciting, uh, is that it's coming out in paperback, not in hardback. And single-handedly, you are contributing to my quest to end hardback books, which is the biggest waste of time and planet in the entire world. The amount of times we get people on this podcast and we're like, hey, so when's your book out? And they'll say, oh, you know, next Tuesday. And no one's going to buy it because it's hardback. And everyone knows that you have to wait. I buy them. Why do you buy hardback books for? I like hardbacks. They're nice. They're heavy. They feel they feel proper, and also crucially, you can balance a cup of tea on them. 
Um, I can definitely balance cup of tea on my book. That that's still that's still possible. But I'm very happy. That oh, I've fair made, enough then. I've made one of you very happy and one of you very unhappy. So this is a good start. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, that's I'm, that's 2020 polarization for you, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's just how this year world. goes. You know, yeah. there is no middle ground. We can't even agree on a green book. This is this is <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled. I'm the publishers work really hard to make this as green as possible. So using vegetable ink and printing locally to where the book's getting um, distributed and even changing all of their processes internally to use less paper. Um, so there's there's very little, like, um, all the, even all the drawings inside the book, the illustrations are sort of as ink-less as we can get them. You know, they're all quite thin. And, um, yeah, it's every every little thing's been considered, which is a really lovely project to work on alongside the fact it's my book. Um, it, it feels like an important part of the story. Perhaps you'd like me to put the price down. Well, I was thinking two pounds. Because three pounds is just naked profiteering for a book <laughs> mere 912 pages long. Well, hardbacks, they, they use a lot more different resources. They have a different binding process. There's more energy used. There's more waste. Um, they're different sizes as well. So this is actually the most, the book's actually the most practical size for, to reduce the paper waste. Um, there's all these different considerations. And I'm really torn. Like, I, hardbacks are a great thing to keep. If you love a book so much, you just want to have it on your shelf forever. But the weight exactly. of them is a bit annoying. And I, I prefer to have things in paperback. Partly because they're cheaper as well. There's always that consideration. So you would describe um, so yeah. all as... Look at Dave's face. Look at his face. He's just got this <laughs> smug, smug grin on him, which he always has to some extent, but it's gone, he's gone up at the edges. Mm. I, like, I like it when we have guests that come on that tell all that he's an Inhofe. And I think we're going to have a bit more fun in that area with the conversation to come. Shall we play all versus what Georgina remembers about her book quiz? <laughs> Before that, we should say what we haven't actually said, which is, Georgina, what is your book about? That's probably a useful thing. Before we play Ol versus <laughs> yeah, yeah. what does Georgina remember about her book quiz, what's going to happen in this quiz? What's your book about? Well, I remember the title. So um, it's called Is It Really Green? And the book it takes 140 different everyday eco-dilemmas and tries to give you a clear answer of what you should do, what is really green, and what is going on in the state of the planet. So... Whether you're already on a sustainable journey or whether you're starting or whether you've no idea what's going on, hopefully you'll find really useful information in the book that gives you clear answers. And you might not like the answers um, <laughs> because some of them are quite direct and some of them um, require some work. Um, but I d you know, it should give you lots of different ideas of how you can start making your life more sustainable and more green. And you've properly researched it. You haven't just sat down and pulled this out of your bottom, right? Uh, <laughs> no, as much as that's really tempting. And I think a lot of us have a gut feeling over what we want to be the right answer. Um, sometimes that's not always the greenest thing, which has been a surprise. Um, you know, there were some surprises as I was researching the book that, that I came across. But yeah, it has been heavily researched and... Um, yeah, as, as much as we possibly can, because part of the reason for the book is a lot of people do Google things and then they're so overwhelmed with conflicting information. And there's a lot of conflicting information in sustainable world, as we all know, um, that you end up not doing anything about it because it's too hard. So we're trying to kind of cut through that a little bit. And just before we get on to the to the content more, 
on a scale of one to ten, how offensive would you say it is to be asked <laughs> if you've researched the book that you've just written, that you've just poured your life and soul not. into? <laughs> Surprisingly not. I know I, I did another podcast yesterday and they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you researched your book. And I was like, how else are you going to do What's <laughs> wrong with all you right. people? Stop asking authors if they've researched their books. Well, I think it... You'd be surprised. Yes, quite. You don't know? Well, it doesn't matter. He doesn't know what they were called. Oh, they were called Simon and Adrian. Now... Oh, you said you didn't know. It really doesn't matter. The point is, there were these two servants. He's making it up as he goes along. No, I'm not. Shall we do what Ol thinks versus what Georgina remembers of her book quiz? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> Right, the way uh, what Ol thinks versus what Georgina remembers of her book quiz is going to work is I shall ask a question of Ol, the answer to which is in Georgina's book. So I want Ol's answer first, followed by Georgina saying whether from her memory Ol is right or wrong. And Ol will get a point if basically he is right. And Georgina will get a point every time Ol is wrong. So that's how that's going to work. Yes? What? Shut up and play the game. Okay, but does, doesn't Georgina have to correctly remember what was in her book to get a point? Yes. So Georgina's, there's more jeopardy on Georgina, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So it'll right. be fine. But she doesn't just get points for me being wrong, because that seems like an easy way to win points without any quite effort. Quite right. No, she'd have a lot of points already, wouldn't she? No, no, quite right. You get a point if you get it yeah. right. Georgina gets a point if she gets it right and you've got it wrong. How about that? No, Georgina gets a. Oh, anyway, we'll do. Oops, fine, I'll make the rules up. Right, this is, it shouldn't be this hard. Question start. start question number one. Oh, should I wash up by hand or use the dishwasher? It depends. Your answer is. It depends. Oh. Well, I, I'm going to push oh, you as much. Well. Oh, okay, I'll get clue. None of the answers to any of these are satisfactorily dealt with by it depends. Oh, okay. Um, well, if if you're washing up a lot of stuff and you're on like a green electricity tariff, then I would say you should use a dishwasher because you don't use very much water. And if you're using nice shiny kitten energy and not miserable energy, then that's fine. That's my answer. Okay. Georgina? Oh my god, it's like you've read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Is that correct? Pretty much word for word. I wish I'd use shiny kitten energy. <laughs> uh, yes, do I get a point? You do get a point, yeah, very yeah. good, yes. Um, so yes, Georgina, would you like to expand? Um, so if you have renewable energy, as as all said, if the dishwasher is full, if it's on an eco setting, um, and ideally if you're air drying it, then yes, it's um, better for the environment than washing up by hand. Because we all use a lot more water than we think we do when we're washing up, um, even though you can confess to, to or, or say that you use very little, but we use a lot more than we think we do. So, yeah, dishwasher. What about if we buy a new dishwasher every week and set fire to the old one in the garden? <laughs> well, I mean, you could be done for fly tipping, I think, for a start, but <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, ser serious point is, do, like, yeah, what, there, it there, does there depend, presumably, how long you keep the dishwasher for and how it's made and all that stuff as well, right? 
Yeah, so you should make sure your dishwasher is well maintained, you know, that it's working properly. But that goes for any electronics that you have in your house, you know, your fridge, your freezer, your washing machine, they're all going to be a lot better and more um, energy efficient and better for the planet when they're well maintained. So, yeah, doing doing the boring housework jobs really matters. Great. Very good. I'm going to call that one all, actually. I've decided this is how the scoring is going to yeah. work. I'll got one right, but Georgina uh, also remembered what she put in her book. So that's good. That's one all. In which country was a wartime diary written by Anne Frank? France. Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Italy, Austria, Switzerland. Belgium. Question number two in okay. what Ol thinks versus what Georgina remembers of her book quiz. Uh, Ol, which alternative yeah. to cow's milk is the greenest? Uh, I think, I think, I think, I think, what do I think? I think um, almond is like the worst generally because almonds need an awful lot a metric bollock ton of water i think is the precise I think that's what Georgina said. and they're all grown in california where there isn't any water anyway um i think oat milk is the best i hope it's the best because we drink oat milk georgina good choice oh yep Oat milk followed by pea milk or hemp milk. Um, yeah, but definitely almond and soy, definitely not. Um, soy? For, for Is soy bad as well? Um, yeah, because a lot of um, soy planting actually helps, not helps, um, has a cause of deforestation. Um, a lot of the tropical areas um, where soy is planted, actually ancient forests are being you know, um, got rid of so that they can plant soy because it's a really quick cash crop. So soy has a lot more um, has a lot of issues in itself. Is I th- I thought I thought I thought that that was mainly to supply animal feed for the livestock industry more than people's cartons of soy milk. More than people's is that wrong? More than people's cartons of milk, but still it still affects all the soy that's that's grown for us as well and used in in soy milk. Um, if you want, and also it's flown a lot further. So oat milk tends to be made in Europe. Um, it's closer to us, um, and it has less of an impact. Is it more made by burly men wearing no pants but skirts and tossing cables? I hope it is. Oat milk? Yeah. Just go no. Just on that, something else that I was really struck by in your book, Georgina, this is not a question, is that if you eat avocados, you are a bastard. This is a thing, this is a conclusion I drew from your book, that avocado is like one of the most evilest green-wise of all fruits. Is that right? Yeah, I feel like avocados are kind of greenwashing um, greenwashing ourselves and I'm probably going to get lynched by all the people that love avo on toast. Um, Big hipsters going to Yeah, avocados. Are, are causing a huge swathe of environmental problems where they're grown in Mexico, and also the air miles are a really, really, uh, big, you know, have a big part to play. But yeah, our our sudden global um, obsession with them is not a good thing. Um, so yeah, just switching to your to your avocado heavy diet is probably not good for the planet. Question number three in what I'll thinks versus what does Georgina remember of her book quiz. Um, now think very carefully here. Oh God! Okay. Should I wear vegan leather or real leather? What vegan leather? What anything from an environmental point of view? Um, I'm not asking. This is not a fashion question. Are we clear? 
Well, no, I just had, you know, that Alan Partridge episode where he suddenly starts having flashbacks to dancing for um, a record executive. Do you know the one I mean? Would you like me to lap dance for you? My people Pringle is modelled on a... That's, that's now the image I've got in my mind, except it's Dave and it's kind of sweaty vegan leather. Yes, um, when, I'm, when I'm cavorting around in my bedroom dressed as Edwina Curry, should I wear vegan right. leather or real leather? I mean, no planet like that. No. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you for saying what we were all thinking. Um, from an environmental, so you mean like taking animal rights issues completely out of the picture, just purely like impact on carbon or resources or anything? That is literally the quiz, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what's what's going to be so bad about vegan leather. I don't know vegan leather. I reckon. I don't know what it's made of, but vegan leather, please. Georgina. Well. You want it to be vegan leather, but vegan leather is actually it's a it's a new term for pleather. Do you remember pleather, the cheap kind of yes. leather from the eighties and nineties, which is made it's a PVC um, derivative and, and polyurethane derivative, which doesn't break down. It breaks really easily, and it's a really not long lasting material. So it's not a great choice, but it's been remarketed to us as a vegan alternative to leather. Mm. It's also full of it also breaks down into microplastics. There's there's a lot of problems with it and you'll go through a lot of vegan leather because it doesn't last very long. Certainly testify Um, to that. If I if I get two years out of a pair of vegan shoes I've done well. And they start to really stink as well. Really stink. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All the vegan trainers I've had just don't last. Um, which is a real shame. Um, I mean, obviously there are the animal rights issues with with leather. So if that is your thing, then obviously vegan leather is going to be better. But in terms of like keeping a product going and the the impact on carbon and the environment, then vegan leather is not an eco option. And that, but that's interesting, isn't it? Because like now that people care about vegan stuff in the way that, frankly, they didn't even when we started this no. podcast. It like you know we've talked it's the about the babble. What won it? Uh, it babble what won it, but now you can just stick vegan as a badge on your product, and that's a byword for yeah, like good for the planet. But, but yeah, I think it, what's what's interesting about the vegan leather is it really points to the fact that there's this massive desire to make change and to to buy the right thing and buy something environmentally friendly, and yet we're being let down because there's an awful lot of greenwashing within the industries that are meant to be green, um, and within the industry, the companies that are saying they're doing the right thing. So. It's it's a re- it's really frustrating. It's like that uh, very large company who I won't name because they'll sue me. Um, who make like shampoos and food, billions and millions and billions and billions and billions of bottles of it, and they now announced they're going to like massively Unilever. increase. I didn't say that. Unilever. You said that. And they've now announced that Is they're going to increase. Yes, they're going to increase their vegan range significantly, which just means you're going to be able to buy vegan horrible processed shit in a jar, apart from non-vegan horrible processed shit in a jar. Mm. Like, yeah, bad. It's 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 just like the word ethical. I mean, obviously there is a definition of vegan and stuff, but people just slap. Doesn't mean it's automatically good for you. Doesn't mean it's good for the planet. Well, it's um, I'm I'm now doubly against vegan leather because it's lost me a yeah. point on this quiz. <laughs> Three two to Georgina now. Uh, next question. Oh, yes. Is it okay to have a lawn? Um. Ooh, uh, well, do you mean a lawn that like you don't mow and you just let lovely wildflowers and you know 
whatever wants to cede there can cede and there's lots of space for wildlife to do its thing? Or do you mean, you know, like the seven croquet lawns we've got at home um, that the butler tends and um, the ground staff keep in tip-top condition? Is that which one? Oh, mm. is it okay to have a lawn? You, uh, <laughs> I feel like you're you're not wanting to humour me as much as you used to. <laughs> uh, no, it's not okay to have a lawn. A lawn in the sense that a lawn is a, a moan thing as opposed to a, yes. a natural yes. thing. Okay, no, it's not okay to have a lawn. Georgina? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yep. Lawns, not not very rich in wildlife, not good for biodiversity. Too many people use pesticides on them. They don't they don't enhance the environment. So no, they're a no. And yes, like you said, oh, make sure like make them wild. Definitely. Um, maybe the butler could do it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what do you do? Nice, nice little job. It's less work as well. I'm sure that um, he'll be delighted. Well, you'll very well pardon me for saying so, Jean, but you seem to have landed us in a complete mess. Last question in what Al thinks versus does Georgina remember her book properly quiz or whatever I called it. Um, Al, yes. what is the greenest pet? The greenest pet? Yes. Is this a trick question and the answer is like no pet or something? Is it no, a trick no, question? Uh, uh, well, Georgina, uh, what, should we have pets? Question A. Mm. <laughs> I can't actually remember which the greenest pet is. I probably no. You, you, you shouldn't. I mean, if if we're going down that route, then no, we shouldn't have pets. But then we also shouldn't have anything at all. Okay. Um, yeah. So we shouldn't have anything. We shouldn't we, have anything we've long all. maintained that the greenest life is not. So yes, of the greenest pets, Georgina can't remember. Old doesn't know. No, hang on. Uh, no, I'm going to guess. guess. I'm going to guess. I'm still going to guess. Um, right. So of pets, if we're if we're accepting that you know pets are nice. Uh, and we're allowed to And these aren't things. like, these aren't like, there's no weird answer to this. It's not like a, a stickleback or something. Okay. It's like, <laughs> there, there is a kind of general pet answer to this. Okay. Um, well, cats are obviously terrible because they kill all the birds. Um, I have a feeling that's a really controversial opinion. We did an episode about that. Go back. Yeah, yeah go back and listen to episode 104. You're so okay. weird. That's probably right as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, dogs, loads of meat in their food, and so oh, I don't know. What are normal pets if they're not cats and dogs? Uh, gold, uh, gerbils, gerbils. <laughs> uh, Georgina. It's a rabbit, isn't it? Is a rabbit. Did you get oh. that through my cryptic symbol of I, I, uh, rabbit? I had a moment of clarity as we were chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very why, happy why to give you so all green, the points. Um, mostly because they don't eat the same. Like you said, dogs are incredibly. Uh, they have a lot of meat in their food. They also produce a lot of poo and plastic bags. Cats kill wildlife. Rabbits don't really do that much. Kind of hop around, eat some grass, die. I mean, they bre- famously breed, don't they? They like a good they breed. breed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I suppose we can't hold that against them. You got to do something, right? They might be quite bored. <laughs> <laughs> right, what were the Good. scores and the doors well done, Well done, Ol, for losing what Ol thinks versus what Georgina can remember of her book quiz. Georgina got them all right, albeit with some help, and Ol got three. <laughs>
So what from uh, when when you were there's uh, there's uh, that is just a tiny little soup son of the immaculately researched green facts in the book. So don't worry, you do still need to go and buy it. Um, what when you were researching? What really surprised you? What things did you learn that you were like, I cannot believe that the dishwasher thing was surprising for me. I yeah, have to say, um, thing weirdly, it's one of those things that comes up a lot and and was a surprise. Um, for me, because we've, I mean, with Pebble sort of background, we've done a lot around fashion and skincare and single-use plastic for years. So that that kind of wasn't a surprise. What what I found were two sort of things was, firstly, the kind of carbon impact of emails and then data centres and the internet, which is pretty scary. Um, and I just hadn't ever tell us more about that it before. Um, so, like, I think a, an email with a picture is like fifty grams of carbon, and then you think how many we all send every single day it's you know you're kind of there's um in the book it talks about you know if you can send one less email a day it's the equivalent to like taking seventy three thousand cars off the road you know nationally it's 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 huge because we all do it so much um oh that's going to be such a good excuse for just not replying to work emails and then the stuff around so we sort of researched as well like how Obviously, you want your reusable items to be much better than disposable items, and generally they are. But the reusable items like coffee cups and tote bags and stuff still have a massive um, carbon impact from the way they're manufactured. So um, polycarbonate cups, which are the, the ones that are mostly used for reusable cups, you actually need to use them 65 times to offset their manufacture. I've got a confession. I've got a confession. I Like... I was really, really excited to get one of those reusable coffee cups a few years ago. And it was, they they are made, I was about to be all BBC and like not mention the brand name. Who cares? Uh, Keep Cups. And they are made uh, in a factory in Leighton, which is where I used to live in London. And I was super excited. I was like, these are brilliant. It's all local and lovely. And I'm going to keep this forever. And I knew that, you know, it had an impact, making it had an impact. But it's fine. It's going to keep it forever. I'm good at keeping things. I'm not like Dave. I don't break things. I don't lose things. I'm careful. And uh, we went out for a lovely walk um, in Epping Forest on a beautiful, sunny kind of autumnal day. And I lost my keep cup somewhere in the woods. So not only did I get one use out of it, thereby completely negating the environmental gains of having a reusable cup, I accidentally lobbed it in pristine nature. Um <laughs> So I'm really sorry, Epping Forest and the planet in general. Ah, what a terrible waste. Yes, but the memories will last a lifetime. So something else that's going to be sort of top of people's minds um, this year as we wave a fond farewell to the absolute shit show that's been 2020 um, is the kind of reality of like working from home of of no longer kind of being office bound um or as office bound as 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 much as we used to be at least is is that a green thing should we be all sort of saying down with the office we're never going back regardless of pandemics um because it's the environmental thing to work from home is that is that the way it should be going well there's this is a definitely it depends one unfortunately um Obviously, the book, so the book was written actually last year and then it was due out in May. We pulled it to because of the pandemic. And then I spent quite a lot of the summer rewriting it so to get it up to date as I could with a lot of the information. But a lot of the kind of information we have like this month or, or sort of now around commuting and, and working from home wasn't available a few months ago. But 
yes, in terms of like commuting, it is much, much better for us to stay at home. So commuting actually makes up 25% of the UK's transport emissions. So if we can cut that out, that's, wow. that's absolutely brilliant. What isn't brilliant is that our homes actually aren't as well insulated as a lot of many, um, most offices. So, and especially in winter, we've all got our heating on now. We've all we've all got our lights on, sort of you know, all day and everything, all in different rooms, um, and that has a massive impact. So, in terms of a sort of energy usage, it's actually worse for us all to be separate at home rather than like in an office, which is temperature controlled and 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 uses sort of much more efficient technology. So, it's a real up and down. Um, one you want it like you know in your heart you want it to be like just yes. Um, but it points to the fact that actually it's, it's another big issue that we need we need to get our homes properly insulated. There's something like 25 million homes in the UK that aren't aren't so up to scratch when it comes to insulation, and it actually causes a lot of, um, you know, it accounts for a lot of our, our carbon emissions as a country. So, mm. you know, working on that would be really really helpful, as well as looking at how we can you know keep the keep the working from home going and the lack of commuting. And obviously, with the pandemic as well, people have moved off public transport and into their own cars, which has been a sort of, you know, kind of negate yeah. the idea of taking cars off the road because we're not commuting. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's just not a good one, that one, is it? <laughs> you really can't criticise people for not going on public transport when, like, the government and everyone's saying, don't no. go on public transport because you'll be full of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, it's so kind of disheartening to see, like, that slow progress that was being made in some places not everywhere towards getting people out of cars it's just completely reversed and um, no pun intended but yeah so one of the things that jumped out of your book is about a topic we did cover quite a while ago but i think you know we maybe didn't quite get under the skin of it in the way that you have is about palm oil which is a thing that we do get written to about quite a lot and people obviously worry about which is horrible bad thing what is bad for orangutans and stuff um but you say in your book actually hang on a minute it depends i was wondering if you could explain a bit about that yeah i mean it I mean, palm oil is not good we don't want to be using palm oil um, i'm not so advocating that we should be using lots and lots of palm oil but People use it for a reason in that it's a lot more um, efficient. The crop yields are 10 times what you would get with sunflower oil and coconut oil. So if you take away palm oil immediately, what are we going to replace it with? Because palm oil is in 50% of all the foods that we eat from the supermarket and it's in skincare and it's in so many different things. And that's actually the problem. The problem is we rely on it for so many things and we shouldn't do because it has so many, causes so many problems. Um, what, what's its function though? What, like, what's it doing in all those things? So mostly it's a stabilising agent. So if you think about ready meals, um, if you think about like skincare that perhaps sits on a shelf in boots for six months, you know, all this stuff has to be maintained to be at the same consistency and the same texture and temperature and whatever. Um, and, and often palm oil is used as that. Um, but it also crops up under oh, okay. lots of different other names. So you can think, you know, you can scan the ingredients as a layperson and go, okay, it's fine. There's no palm oil. But it actually has like 20 or 30 different other names. And please don't ask me what they are because I can't remember right this minute. Um, but... Oh, that was going to be the second quiz. Um, <laughs> for one quiz point, question. what are the other 20 names for palm oh, oil? Um, glyceryl, palm, palmolin and palm kernel oil were also up in. So it's not good in any way. But I think, and also, uh, unfortunately, there is this thing called the, um, the responsible palm oil 
uh, organization. The round, round table. Oh, the round yeah. table. The round table. The round table. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. People are in two camps over whether it is actually sustainable or goes far enough. So it's a really thorny one. Um, you know, definitely do what you can to avoid it. Um, but we're not, we need to move away. Um, the different industries need to move away from it. And this is a thing that crops up in your book quite a lot, doesn't it? Which is like, when presented with an argument like that, is a bad thing a bad thing? To which the answer is, well, it, it's like, it's a bad thing. But the bigger problem is that we use so much of that thing in the first place yeah. is the problem. So like, and that seems to be a thing that comes out quite a lot. In so with, with palm oil, like part of the problem is our massive reliance over the last few decades on convenience food, ready-made food, you know, pre-packaged food that wasn't there 50 years ago or, you know, with that reliance, we've driven that need for palm oil. So we kind of have to look at our own behaviours as well and go, okay, well, if we stop buying the stuff that's in it, the stuff that it's used for, you know, that will decrease demand. It's also a kind of reflection of how we've been marketed at to to think that anything that isn't perfect is a bit yucky. And... Mm. When you were talking about it being a stabiliser, I was like, oh, I get it now because I've got a, like a hippie peanut butter brand that makes a big deal out of how it doesn't use palm oil. But it says on it, like, when you open this tub, there's going to be a whole bunch of oil at the top yeah. and like, a whole bunch of kind of quite thick peanutty stuff at the bottom. And that's fine and that's normal. Give it a mix. Yeah. And because I'm a sort of, you know, self-righteous type, I'm fine with that. But We've all been taught that, like, unless things look perfect all the time, then they're a bit icky and a bit yucky and we don't want to buy them. And that's kind of what palm oil is part exactly. of, it's right? A standard, you know, it helps standardise things and also it gives them a much longer shelf life. So we've got such complex global supply chains and food chains that, you know, food is in that system for weeks at a time and it's got to be stabilised before it gets to us and sits in a news agent, for example, before you go and buy that chocolate bar three months later. You know, um, so... Yes, partly it partly is our we've been marketed to, but also the the scale of the demand as well is is a problem, and the the levels of a supply chain that most of us have no concept of. We kind of assume food is all you know there's a lovely farm, and then there's a lovely factory, and then it kind of gets into a box and comes to us, and it's so much more icky than that, kind of you know complicated <laughs> than that. That yeah, I think having more having a bigger awareness of how you know, really processed food is really made and where it comes from is, is really important when we're sort of trying to change behaviours and talk to people about this stuff. Um, it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. We are we are sort of causing it at the same time. I mean, you can get a book about it. Oh, yeah, you, you, you can get a book about it from a, from a, from a bookshop or a, or a library. But you can't learn about it. No. Speaking of things that are a bit complicated, we, uh, we asked our listeners if they had anything to ask you. And, and listener Steve, um, who all will recognise the theme of this question from listener Steve, <laughs> wants to know whether it is greener to be a vegan who eats soy products grown abroad or uh someone who eats the equivalent amount of protein and nutrients from like wood pasture raised cattle from the wow. next county so i think i think there's a question there about food miles as much as anything else but uh yeah what do you think about that so um i think it's a really interesting one and like i always sort of talk to people and so i've done podcasts before about this like i don't think and this is my take on it um because there is a sort of you have to weigh up your own personal um, what's important to you as well. Like I, I don't think just swapping to a vegan lifestyle 
and then not looking at where your food comes from within that lifestyle is automatically better. Um, eating more plants is better for all of us. But like we were talking earlier, if you're just going to eat, you know, chia seeds, quinoa and avocados, then potentially if the cattle are coming from the next county and they're beautifully raised and they're, you know, come from an organic farm and they've ended up with a butcher that you can walk to, you know, ultimately that probably is a lot better in terms of carbon and food miles. Um, we need to support a diverse food system and ecosystem in every country. And what's local and seasonal to us is is really, really important. Um, so, yeah, I'd kind of I'd kind of go with the latter one. But I know lots of people will disagree with me. Um, but and it, it depends, presumably. It, it depends <laughs> on it. And it also depends what's important to you. And, and like, I mean, Dave, you know, you've talked about this in terms of your own choices. It's like, well, these are the things that make the top of my list in terms yeah. of what I care about. And these things are a little bit lower down. So therefore, I make this choice. And I don't know. I do sometimes feel like we like people who go to the trouble of writing books like yours are then ex- expected to just give like a, <laughs> okay, it's it's this thing. Eat this. Wear that. Drive that. Pro- don't drive. Walk there. Cycle there. Uh, enjoy that. Don't enjoy that. Uh, end. And it's like, well, it's a bit unreasonable, problem, right? This is the the whole sustainable world isn't an easy one it's a complex one we don't have a quick solution we don't have one solution otherwise we would have solved it by now or hopefully we would have solved it by now um it is incredibly complex a lot of it comes down to personal choice and how much money you've got and where you live and what your family setup is and i think being you know doing the research and understanding what impact your decisions have is really really important but a lot of it is going to be like well this bit's more important to me and this bit's more important to you um but we're very good at finger pointing. We're very good at expecting everybody to do the same thing, um, which isn't really what we want. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want a homogenised society of essentially robots, just kind of, you know, with pet rabbits. With, with pet rabbits, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> oh. You say in your book, in the forward to your book, that. Uh, and a quote, going green means making small changes that build into big changes in social behaviour. Together, we can exert pressure on those above us, be they global brands or governments. And uh, you say global brands might seem like they're in charge, but their success depends on your support. So to what extent is the consumer us, us with our little pennies and pounds? Um, how how much are we really queen or king? Like, doesn't it doesn't it need a lot of us to do basically the same things at the same time to make companies kind of shift? Yes and no. Like, it really annoys me when people kind of go, "Oh, an individual can't make a difference," or you know, we're all disenfranchised and are completely helpless. Um, you know, we choose what products we buy, we choose which brands to support with our money. And I think when people do decide to switch from different brands because they don't match their values or they're not behaving responsibly for the planet, it can make a really big difference. And it actually doesn't need a huge amount of people to do that for brands to sit up and listen, especially at the moment when you've got like, you know, Topshop going under or you've got, you know, big high street, um, you know, things that have been around for a long, long time are suddenly looking a lot more precarious than they used to and brand loyalty is a really hard thing to come across these days um so i think we have more power than we think we do um you know we all have voices social media amplifies those voices for good and for bad a lot of the time um but we we are 
we aren't just sitting here, you know, with having stuff done to us. We can we can affect change as well. So that's really what that's what that's talking about. And we kind of, for me, it's really important that people think about where their money goes to and the companies that are receiving that money because we work bloody hard for our money and what little pennies we have or what little pounds we have. So using it to, <laughs> to to spending it with someone that is going to respect that and and do the right thing or the same thing that you want them to do is is really really important. Well, talking of things that um, people should do and can do, people should and can and must go and buy your book, which is now out. Came out on the 5th of January, right? 7th of January, yeah. 7th of January. Uh, so go and buy it. Um, where would you like people to buy it? So you can buy it from bookshop.org um, or you can buy it from Hive or it's in all good bookshops or you can buy the audiobook, which I've narrated. Cool. And I've got to ask you this, Georgina. Like, what? Oh, there's 140 eco dilemmas, and they're all quite complicated. But what are your top three bits of tip for people uh, to live a greener life? Do you reckon? Okay, make do with what you can instead of buying new as much as possible. Work on your food waste at home, and switch as many life admin-y things to renewable and um, eco-friendly brands as you possibly can. Work on that. That seems pretty good. Have you done all those things, all? Of course, you, of course you have. My God, of course you have. But why try to change me now? Right, that is just about it for another episode of the Babble. Thank you very, very much, Georgina, for writing your splendid book. And her surname is Wilson Powell, just in case you want to like go and look on something which isn't Amazon. Bookshop.org, she said, to use. which I can vouch for that. That is very good. Go and use bookshop.org. Buy her book. Uh, is it really green? That is the name of it. Um, yeah, give her pennies and get her to do more stuff because she's great. So thank you, Georgina. Thank you too to Dave for emerging somehow out of 2020, relatively unscathed as far as I can tell. Um, and babbling forth with his usual vim and vigour. Thank you too to Dickie Poor. Dickie Poor? Dickie Poor. Oh, Dickie Poor, as oh, we like to call him. Name for a sad bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Dickie Poor limping along with his sore oh. front digits. Uh, no, Dickie Moore, off of Bearcraft, who wrote the music at the beginning, the end, and the intertwinkly bits of this podcast. Do go and check out his album. It is superb. Thank you also to the legendary Arthur Stovell for the logo What Adorns Our T-shirts. And as we said before Christmas, if you would like to give us any ideas for new T-shirt designs, bung them over. We shall make some designs with the help of that, their legendary Arthur Stovell, what you might want. So yeah, you can do that by emailing us to hello at sustainababble.fish. You can find us on the Twitter at The Babble Wagon or we're on Facebook. Just search Sustainababble. And if you want to contribute to the running costs of this organ, which frankly we need your help with, and you like The Babble and you've got a few quid rattling around, you can go to wubblywubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble and join the army, uh, but not army enough of dedicated and most diligent and most generous and wonderful Babel subscribers who get things what are special treats including Dave and Ol live at the Pebble magazine Future Fest what uh, was organised oh. by Georgina in the first place seamless seamless and, and that wasn't seamless enough bloody hell 
bloody Nora, as Dave might say. Uh, Gosh and golly, as I might say, we're going to be 200 episodes old next. Next week, 200. Almost like to the day from our first episode, six years on. Um, Golly, I can't quite believe that. Anyway, enough of the sort of navel gazing. What we would like you to do... What's the thing we want them to do? I've forgotten. No, hang on. It was it was clips. It was it was. I'll do it. What we would no. cretin. Let me do it. What we <laughs> what would like it? you to do. I'll just shut up and I'll listen. Just you find out at the same time. The listeners. What, what we would like is. you to do is to send in uh, no longer than ten seconds. We will. Uh, I've forgotten it all. What was it? <laughs> the thing. It, what's really nice about doing a uh, podcast this long <laughs> is that you just get. You just get better at it all the time. It becomes second nature. <laughs> send and you us don't a, even have to be tried to be send us just a clip. so smooth send and efficient. What we would love is if you enjoy the babble, if you would like your voice on the babble, if you would like to send us a little hello, Dave and Ol, we love you, we love the babble, and here's why. Uh, send us a little clip, 10 seconds long, which says your name, says your favourite thing about babble, and we will include the best ones at the very end. Of the yeah. episode. It doesn't have to be quite so much as kissing our ass as, as that. Like you, you don't just have to say, like we love the bad, but you could say, got some feedback for you, lads. Um, it's shite. I mean, we won't put that on, but you know, don't feel like this was good to know. Yeah, <laughs> don't feel restricted into purely being sycophantic. Uh, but yeah, get on the babble. Enough. After 200 episodes, we've decided we've had enough of me and Dave. Uh, it's time to hear somebody else's voice, but only for 10 seconds. Good. Until then, I'll enjoy your last few days of being in your hundreds. And I shall see you back here this time next week for episode 200 of Sustainable. Shit the bed. Bye. Bye. Bye.